Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. And joining us today is our colleague here at Business in Vancouver newspaper. That is Patrick Blennerhasek. Patrick, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me back. Did I mispronounce your last name just a second ago? Correct. It's correct. It's Blennerhasset. Blennerhasset. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Close enough. It's uh... phonetically, it's pretty easy once you, people are surprised once I sort of hear it. They're like, oh, that's easy. I tell you what, I actually know how to spell your name. Like, and it it took a while, but I I can just type it out with any problems. So yeah, there's no um, slow clap. clap. (laughs) Thank you. There's no spell check. The good thing is there's no spell check suggestions. Spell yeah. check's like, I'm not touching this one. You're fine. So it doesn't ever get auto-corrected, yeah. which I think is good. So Okay. Good. Well, Patrick, you've been working on some stories, of course, as you always do for business in Vancouver. And you're bringing attention to what's going on in a little further east of where we are right now with regards to higher education. Tell us a little bit about some of the housing issues affecting students over at Thompson Rivers University. Yeah, it was interesting. So I went home to my hometown of Kamloops for the Christmas break, and uh, I was talking to some friends. And one of the things that I noticed was there's students that are staying in hotels. Uh, there's a strip on along Columbia as you sort of head up to the university. There's six or seven hotels there. And uh, as I was driving by with one of my friends, we saw a lot of sort of international students sort of coming and going. I said, well, what are they doing here? And they're like, oh, they're all staying in the hotels because there's nowhere to stay at TRU. Wow. Um, the student housing is full. And it's this is a, this is stories that I love because this is a macro issue affecting all the way down to like a micro issue in a, in a city. So do, do we I'm, the first thing that strikes me about this is just kind of the cost of a hotel versus student mm-hmm. housing. Yeah. Are, are, do you know if it's just students paying it right out of their own pocket? Is the school stepping up and realizing that there's a major issue here uh, that they're giving some sort of subsidies? I don't believe so. And I mean, these are predominantly foreign students. So they're paying an arm and a leg with tuition to begin with. Mind you, if you can afford the astronomical fees to come from a foreign country to study in Kamloops, a hundred bucks or 70 bucks a night is probably a bit of a drop in the bucket. So I think financially, it's not a huge deal for these students. you, You say afford. I wonder if it's just taking on more debt. And that's kind of another true. big yeah, issue yeah. that could be when a lot of these people, they leave the university and they're, they're carrying around, I don't know, like 70, 80 grand in, in student debt that yeah. they have to carry. Yeah. And it, it, it sort of speaks to the dichotomy of if these were local students, I think there'd be a lot more of an uproar. But I think what we're seeing is that these foreign students are coming in and, and all of the uh, sort of uh, vacancy is is gone. The vacancy rate, I think it's like 1.2%. So all of the available housing has gotten swept up by the local students. And so they're just basically, you know, rooming in hotels. So That's a lot of money because you're looking at upwards of like $3,000 a month. Yeah. So, you know, twelve grand per semester if you're doing a four-year program or even yeah. a year. That's quite a bit of money, not to mention international students are already going to pay higher rates yeah. for tuition. I'm curious what the university's plans are around this. Are they going to build more housing? Is there any strategy? Yeah. So they, they built a huge tower a couple of years ago, and I think it's got like 500 beds or something like that. And then they have McGill Housing, which is on campus that they renovated. And I think there's another 100 or so beds there, so 600 or something like that. 
Um, I talked to a couple of people at TRU, Glenn Reed with Ancillary Services, and he said, you know, look, we're we're doing everything that we can to try to help this out. It's something that's kind of just hit them out of the blue. I mean, let's be honest, this all started with the real estate boom in Vancouver is that the wake has spread out. We're seeing this in Victoria. We're seeing this in Kelowna. And what's happened in Kamloops is that, you know, development is kind of a secondary industry there. So uh, construction projects don't sort of get green lit like they do in, say, Surrey, where all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing town, a row of townhomes pop up. So um, one of the things they have done is uh, there was a developer who built a, built a pretty big uh, development right across from the university. And uh, three phases, three of four phases are now open. So I think that's helped a little bit. But... This is just a, a basically a whole bunch of different balls hitting each other, going different directions. You've got TRU has done a really good job at attracting international students and opening up their doors to uh, people from China, India, and Nigeria. You've got a hot real estate market. You've got a low vacancy rate. You've got a city that's not set up to accommodate uh, infrastructure development at a fast pace. So these, it's like this perfect storm. And the end result is that you have you know dozens of international students. Quite odd when you drive up there, um, and you're seeing you know people from Nigeria and India and China streaming out of the Sandman Hotel. Uh, heading off to university. So quite an interesting story, I think. It, it is concerning, though, of course, because I also wonder about the future of this international student program if there's really no infrastructure to accommodate them yeah. in a proper fashion. Yeah, and that that's the worry is that obviously, you know, these kids have to write home or, or call home and say, hey, mom and dad, you know, thanks for the thousands of dollars that you're giving me to go to school overseas. You know, I'm staying in a hotel right now. Can I have more money? Can I have, I need more money. I mean, I was looking at some of the prices for hotels and you've got anywhere from like 50 to $150. So I'm not sure anybody wants to stay in a $50 a night hotel and go to school. Um, the other thing is like you're in Kamloops in the winter and it's like minus 10, minus 15 mm. and you've got to walk, right? And there's no bus between that hotel route and the university. Oh. And, you know, these are that's like I want to say it's like a you know 10 15 minute walk or probably a 10 minute walk so you're from Nigeria staying in a hotel and that all of a sudden a you're shock. walking in minus 15 that, I, that would weather. be a shock to me that would be a shock for that, anybody right? yeah that so. it's the authentic Canadian experience so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just I really want to know because I've done a semester abroad you figure out that you get accepted and where you're going to be staying sort of at the same time so yeah if you weren't to get any place to live you'd sort of know that going into it can make adjustments i'm curious if these people they they knew that was the case and decided to go anyway or if something I, changed halfway through i don't think a lot of these students knew i was talking to a couple of the hotel managers and they said that they seemed really frazzled like they came in and they were trying to find i think a lot of them thought that they could just get rent you know rental apartments and just come in and do that um, the other interesting thing that's sort of thrown into this is that the city of Kamloops has been fighting secondary suites for the longest time. Oddly, you know, they've had this clamp down mentality for years because they haven't really had any issues with vacancy since, you know, real estate started to pick up in the last couple of years. So the city, on the other hand, is kind of going, 
oh man, okay, this fight that we were having with all these secondary suites across the city because we were worried about losing revenue and the tax issues and all that stuff. Now the city is kind of being forced to pivot and go, okay, we need to open this all up because these students need a place to stay. So then you have basically two major organizations trying to work in lockstep together. You've got the university and, and the municipality, and that doesn't always line up. So I think we're seeing a real, you know, sort of, dichotomy there as well so so what you're getting at those uh, metro vancouverites can all take solace in the yeah. fact that <laughs> this horrible housing situation yeah. is not only in this particular region it's spreading across the entire province well it's funny because when i go home all my friends are you know they're married and they have kids and they all own homes now and i go home and i was so exhausted one night because all people wanted to talk about was renovating their basement to rent out <laughs> and i'm just like oh my goodness you guys we can talk about something else but that's the reality now is that you know everybody's a homeowner in kamloops and and young people can be homeowners as well so one of my friends right now they're having a, a construction guy come in and look at their basement and they're trying to rush it out so they can maybe get somebody in for the last couple uh, months of the semester. So, uh, you know, fast, a really fascinating story to see a, a city like Kamloops that sometimes operates in, you know, Kamloops and Kelowna operate in a little bit of a bubble. They kind of just chug along. They have really small growth. The real estate's not a big deal. Um, but now we're seeing some real reverberations, especially from Metro Vancouver's housing crisis. So, Well, I'll tell you what, Patrick, we're going to take a short break, but would you stick around with us and maybe talk about some of the business <sighs> stories that are catching uh, my eyes and Haley's eyes this past week? Uh, yeah, all right. Okay. All right. Twist right. right. my arm. Okay. Yeah. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600, or else check them out on their website at manningelliott.ca. Haley, what's been uh, catching your eye when it comes to business news this last week here? Well, I think uh, some of the big news that's going to happen this week, and we'll have more details tomorrow, the Bank of Canada will announce its first rate decision as well as unveil its monetary policy report. A lot of people expecting we'll see a rate hike uh, that's priced into the markets at this point. I think a lot of economists giving it a 90% chance. Any uh, any contrarians well, here who want well, to say that we won't see one? You mentioned it's priced into the market, which means if we don't get the rate hike, expect your Canadian dollar to go down sure. pretty far. It, we might see a little bit of upward movement uh, on the loonie. I, I've yeah. been paying attention because I do plan on um, going on a trip to the U.S. soon. So that's why it's obviously top of mind for me. Yeah. What about you, Patrick? Uh, yay or nay on the interest rate? I'm not a betting man. Why do you guys always try to get me to bet? Because <laughs> it's hilarious to see the results. I'm going to say either they're going to move the rates up or not move them. That's my bet. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of one of but the. But you don't two. think they're going down? <laughs> okay, that's probably a pretty. <laughs> so like, you're, not, you're the guy at the roulette table who puts like one chip on red, one on green. Yeah, and then it all, and, and then the wheel lands on zero somehow, and you walk away with nothing. <laughs> So I, I'm curious what that means for the Bank of Canada. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, you know what, I, I've been following the loony and obviously interest rate stuff. But for me, the really fascinating thing is the price of oil right now. And I think that's sort of another story What's, that... What, what is it about the price of oil right now that's 
you know, got you captivated? Well, I, I think I think this morning I checked it's 64. The WTI is $64 and it's had this slow kind of build. And yeah, if, like if I you, think a year ago, it's what, like 50 or hovering around under, 50. It was under 50. Yeah. If yeah. you go back to a couple of years ago, you couldn't find anybody on the face of this planet that would say that oil was ever going to get back up to $100. And every sort of macro trend that we're seeing right now is that this could happen again. We could, the way it's going, the way the economy is going, the way that, you know, the global forecasts are going, we could see a hundred dollar barrel of oil. I know everybody in Alberta is probably clapping right now who's listening to this, but you know, it's just fascinating a way that we sort of say things will never happen, you know, and then here we are. Like you said, you would never eat a bug I, on <laughs> our show, but it you, you, I it thought we were going to leave this in president, 2017. <laughs> we were going to, we were going to tie a bow oh, no. on this. For and, listeners and, who don't recall, Patrick oh, thanks, Tyler, literally yes. ate a bug yeah. on air because he was wrong about his prediction about the 2016 U.S. presidential election. And he's never made a bet since. Never. No. <laughs> I've never been a betting guy. I've never been a good gambler. I've never been a good no. poker player. I this, don't know what I was thinking. I got copped up and caught up there in the hype and i just lost my mind <laughs> all right uh one thing i want to note too uh the big six banks have all raised their mortgages in advance of this rate hike so uh anyone who wants to be contrarian uh, that's great but the banks it, are are sussing this out and even if we don't see one those rates are a little bit higher if it doesn't happen this month it'll happen in the coming uh like the next time that they do have yeah. a monetary policy announcement so i yeah that's just me making my own bet there you go yeah uh, for me though um i don't know any of you guys read books ever yeah no never really, no. like physical <laughs> books or just like ebooks do say count? physical books I actually prefer physical books. So. I do as well. But uh, good news for any of those bookworms out there because we're finally getting that big, huge bookstore once again in downtown Vancouver. But it's not going to be nearly as big as that iconic chapters that was on the corner of Robson Street that made way for it's now a sport check, which Ugh. I mean, I... Uh, I appreciate physical activity, but I would much rather if we had I like, miss that books. store so much. It, yeah. it was great. It was 52,000 square feet. Yeah. A few blocks away, we will be getting a new Indigo bookstore. Indigo, of course, runs that chapter's banner. We don't know yet how this new bookstore is going to be branded, but we are going to get, well, 21,000 square feet as opposed to that 52,000 square feet footprint that we had in downtown Vancouver when it came to a bookstore. It's replacing that Forever 21. Forever hey. 21. Were you a big shopper there? <laughs> I actually bought a t-shirt there like years ago and I still have it. Yeah. It's the okay. weirdest thing. So yeah. You I, wanted to stay Forever 21. That's I, why you still I would have loved to have stayed down. Forever 21. That'd yeah. be amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's not a not a bad age to be. I had fun. Yeah. I can't remember 21, but I'm sure I had a good time. <laughs> well, I have to say, so it's less than half the size of the, the original chapters. I'm surprised that this is happening, that we're actually yeah. getting a big well, yeah. bookstore. Uh, so what happened, though, is they closed down the other, the big, big chapters, the 52,000 square foot one, three years ago, and they opened up one that was less than one-tenth the size. It was 5,000 square feet. It's on the Granville Strip, about a block away from the old chapters. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at the time, they said, yeah, we'll be back to Robson eventually. And a lot of what I think ha has happened, and I think this goes to more of the bigger trends we're seeing in Vancouver retail. Robson's in a bit of a transition, and I think a lot of people just could not deal with the high, high, high lease rates that people are yeah, paying. The rents were for huge. Sure. We've seen an actual migration of a lot of these luxury brand retailers going to Alberni Street, where the well, the 
leases are even higher over there, on average about 50% higher. Mm. So we're seeing Robson in a bit of a transition. So now chapters are going to be occupying a smaller footprint in still a nice you know, location, a lot of foot traffic there. I I don't I can't speak to what lease they're paying right now per square foot, how that compares with what they were doing a few years back. But I, I wonder if maybe it's a better deal for them. Mm-hmm. But from what I understood, uh, inside information from somebody I knew about 10 years ago who worked at that big, big chapters, he said that it was known to just bleed money for uh, chapters. Yeah. Just because if you look at the uh, rents versus what the revenue was, it was mostly there for show, like saying, oh, yeah, we have one of our big brands on the uh, most notable shopping street in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I know the Indigo brand, and they're branding this as a cultural department store, which I think is interesting. It means you can buy blankets and candles. Well, and Uh, you can at most Indigo locations, and I've bought gifts there too. Like it's not just books. So I wonder if there's a shift in terms of inventory of higher priced items, not just books. No doubt about that. that That's going to be in the works as well. Well, if you go into the chapters over the uh, Granville Street Bridge there, yeah, I mean, you get bombarded by like blankets and candles and, and chocolate. pictures. It's the first thing you see when you yeah, get the into books the store. are almost yeah. secondary now. Yeah. Hey, I always just make a beeline up the escalator because yeah. that's where most of the books, unless it's like a bestseller or a new release. Um, I don't drink coffee, so I never you know hang around that Starbucks uh, that's adjacent. So. I don't know. I, I still like the bookstore experience. It's just kind of fun. Same here. You yeah. get lost there. I, I, I remember when I was living in Asia, if you go to a bookstore, uh, they actually have cellophane covering all the books. So you, you're not able to just sit down and like open them up. And read them, yeah. Yeah, and read them, Aww. which I mean, I love doing that at a bookstore. And look, I'll, I'll make purchases based on like how gripping I find something. But I usually go for the bargain bin first. I, like I always like to see what's on sale and see if I can get a good deal on a book. I think this is this is completely anecdotal, but when they moved down to the smaller space, um, every time I went in there, I mean, I'm obviously biased because I have books in that store. Um, but every, well, that's true. Yeah, Author yeah. Patrick Blenner has. Have it. you ever like surfaced your book, like put it on Heather's picks? Or, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did that. We, we actually got. I went one time with my uh, my ex girlfriend, and we actually got caught doing it. We moved wow. a bunch of the books down to to like the main table, and the, the manager came down and was like, uh, "Excuse me, what are you doing here?" But it was all fun and games. They ended up posting on Twitter, and they had a good laugh about it. But so we, you we definitely you really well. offer. Yeah, yeah. I oh, okay. And then he had me sign a bunch of the books sure. as well. So hey, you know, signed by author. That no skin off your back, right? Yeah, yeah. That's all but, right. But anyways, as I was saying, <laughs> I love that story. I can't believe you never told us that. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a little embarrassing. But uh, yeah, things you do to promote your books. I, I do think it's the, the interesting thing is like anecdotally, whenever I walked into that store, man, it was packed. There's people coming in and out of there yeah. all the time. And I don't know if that's just the foot traffic on on that street. But I think there has been a resurgence in people kind of going back to, you know, Haley, you said you like the actual physical books. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think that there is a bit of there. There's still an appetite for people wanting to buy the books. I just don't think it's in that massive building, that fifty-two thousand whatever it is square footage. Right? Well, it's why there's kind of this resurgence in vinyl, but you're not having a vinyl record store occupy three, four stories yeah, in, yeah. on Robson Street. So yeah. I, I maybe compare the two, but I, I don't. I, I don't know if physical books will ever go the way of the dodo bird. I think there's just something just about cracking them open. There's even that kind of that that book smell 
that everybody kind of likes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 excellent. Patrick, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. And this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accounts and Business Advisors. And Haley, if somebody wants to find you, social media, what's the best way? They can connect with me at Haley Wooden. I'm on Twitter. I use that the most. And if you want to check out more stories or connect with any of us, you can head over to BIV.com. Yeah, and you can find me online. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. 